Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Kevin Klein here to let you guys know your Los Angeles Dodgers are finally making moves. So some of you can stop crying. They added two pitchers today. We are recording here on Wednesday, December 14th. One more of a flyer, but let's get into the exciting move. And that's the Dodgers signing Noah Syndergaard to a one-year $13 million contract. Noah Syndergaard was an all-star back in 2016. And there's a couple of reasons I like this move. First of all, off-season long, you heard me clamoring for the Dodgers to sign some starting pitching. They finally added some starting pitching. And kind of cool what Noah Syndergaard did for the Dodgers was apparently he was offered a few contracts. We don't know the details yet, but multi-year deals, more money than the $13 million, And he turned it down because he wants to enter the Mark Pryor lab in the Dodgers pitching development to turn himself back into the once flamethrower that he was with the New York Mets, pumping 100-mile-per-hour fastballs. Velocity down in 2022, throwing average of 94. Uh, he posted a 394 ERA, over 134 and two-thirds innings pitched across the Angels and Phillies. This guy has a lot of postseason experience. Not only did he reach the World Series with the Mets in 2015, but he also just pitched in the World Series for the Philadelphia Phillies. Looking at his Savant page, a little alarming. No spin rate, low K rate. We're talking 95 strikeouts over that 134 innings pitched, but a 383 FIP, you'll live with that. Uh, this guy does have a history with the Dodgers. I'll save one of them for David, but the other one is back a few seasons ago. He accused the Dodgers of cheating. So my, my last quick commentary here on Syndergaard before I pass it off, the Dodgers kind of needed an asshole on the mound. And I think Noah Syndergaard is going to provide that. Last season and in years past, it was a lot of guys just doing their business, getting the job done. But this guy, Noah Syndergaard, he brings the passion. He brings the fire on the mound. This guy is very active on social media. He's going to call players out if he disagrees with something that they have to say. Trevor Bauer, notably, a season ago. So we go from one asshole to hopefully an asshole that's going to actually produce for the Dodgers. So I'm excited for this move. David Rosenthal, how's it going? It's going well. I, I like this move a lot. Uh, they had an empty spot in the rotation and they filled it. Uh, it's simple as that. It costs, what, $13 million? That's about what a starter costs these days. I think it's a good deal. And I think the thing that jumps out to me the most with Syndergaard is he has the pitch mix the Dodgers love. It's the sinker and the slider combination. That is what the Dodgers love. Usually we see that from their relievers. Phillips, Trinan, uh, Bickford. All those guys, sinker slider, that's that's what thrives if you're a Dodgers reliever specifically. Uh, and I think they're going to translate this to Syndergaard as a starter. Uh, we've seen him, like you, like you mentioned on the Savant page, he, he basically abandoned his changeup and his four-seam fastball from 21 to 22. And what better team 
uh, if you're going to do that and go primarily sinker slider, then to come to the Dodgers. It's a perfect fit with Mark Pryor. It's very little risk. You're still going to have Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, Pepio ready to go, ready to eat some innings. If this doesn't work out, if Gonsolin doesn't work out, if someone gets hurt, they needed the depth. This is a good guy to get his career back on track, have some success like Tyler Anderson did, and use the Dodgers basically as a launch pad uh, to get paid next year. Great signing. Uh, they needed it. They needed it. And I do like his attitude on the mound as well. Uh, this is, this is a, a finally, finally, we, we've been waiting for something, literally anything. And they finally gave us a crumb. And I think it's a good crumb. Jake Reiner, what is your input on the Dodgers acquisition of Cindergard? It's great. I love it. I think that it's a perfect fit. Not only was Cindergard looking for, you know, uh, to rebuild his career like he like all indications are pointing to that but this is a perfect move for the Dodgers because as we've seen they are not going to shell out those big 5 10 year contracts they're just not doing it uh, all the you know not every big free agent is off the board but most of the big free agents are off the board and they either were way too expensive or committed too long-term to that player. So this is a perfect fit, a one-year deal. And this is a guy, Cindergard, who showed a ton of promise with the Mets. Kevin mentioned his uh, all-star campaign there. And the reason why it's not really clicked for him, I feel, is that he's had trouble staying on the field, uh, very inconsistent uh, with you know his ability to stay healthy. And I think that if he's able to do that, he's got the stuff, he's got the experience, he's got the attitude to be not just a guy in the rotation, but one of the top guys in the Dodgers rotation, a veteran with proven ability. And in fact, I was looking at his postseason pitching, which he has a, a lifetime 262 ERA in the postseason. But one of his big wins came, um, or no, excuse me, he actually, uh, the one time he faced the Dodgers, he lost. Um, and he pitched seven and a third innings, gave up five hits and three runs, but he struck out 11. Um, but overall, Really great postseason record. And of course, I mean, look, he looked at Tyler Anderson, I bet, who that guy's really never had one good year, one really good year. And he had that one really good year with the Dodgers. So it makes perfect sense why Noah Syndergaard would want to come to the Dodgers to potentially get a payday from another team or even if the Dodgers decide to bring him back next year. Depends on what happens. Yeah, good stuff that you just brought up. Yeah, I think he was the Mets starter in that crazy wild card game in 2016 against Madison Bumgarner. And uh, God, what was that guy's name? Connor Jalepsky or whatever. I think he hit the walk off. I think it was like scoreless game or something. And then that Mets game against the Dodgers, that was the Utley side game. So I think one or two of those runs were inherited. I believe Bartolo Colon or somebody came in was the reason Syndergaard ended up with three runs, but he was absolutely unhittable through six innings i was at that game i, I set it up for a t i set it up on a t for david but he didn't mention it but i was waiting okay we, you could say i it didn't now. want to do it in my opening monologue okay you can say it right now because all right so Syndergaard is is most famously known in my mind as the ass in the jackpot game he threw <laughs> what, what was it the first or the third pitch of the game uh behind chase utley's ass and uh what is his name tom hallion uh and terry collins just went at it. And it's the, by far the best audio clip in baseball history, in my opinion. And that, that clip will live forever in my mind. And I'm glad 
he's on our team now because he it was a huge benefit to the Dodgers that he got ejected that game because back then he was he was elite he was legitimately elite so hope to have uh moments like that with his tenure on the Dodgers yeah I feel like the Dodgers rotation if healthy is pretty complete now I mean Kershaw Urias May Gonsolin Syndergaard you would assume that's the five yeah and I'm kind of more keen and we talked about a lot last season but the Dodgers didn't really have the opportunity due to injuries but let's see a six-man rotation especially for the first couple months of the season whether it's Pepio or Gavin Stone or Bobby Miller make the team I would like to see a six-man rotation I think that'll keep the arms more fresh keep the innings down and we don't need any more injuries because that seems to be the common theme once we get towards the very end of the season and so a guy like Syndergaard Jake mentioned that crazy amount of injuries that this guy has been derailed by he showed that he could stay relatively healthy last season and i think now that he's got that under the bag the next step for him is to work with mark Pryor and the dodgers pitching development and get back the slider get back the curveball get back the fastball and sinker because all those pitches had little to no movement just a year ago and also it's worth pointing out that last year he pitched 134 innings, which is a benchmark because he hadn't thrown that many innings since 2019 when he threw 197 innings. And that was the most innings he's ever thrown in his career. And then I think he was out for all of 2020 because I don't see stats here for that, but I assume he was yeah. out for all of 2020 and he's, he's battled injury here and there and he's only 30 years old. So I think he probably looked at his his career and was like, I got to figure out how I'm going to maximize the rest of my career. I'm still relatively young. So that's probably why he was like, the Dodgers are a perfect fit. He's seen what he what what this pitching staff and what Mark Pryor has done to, you know, reinvigorate careers. So it, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm really excited. Other move that the Dodgers made. JP Fireisen was designated for assignment by the Tampa Bay Rays. The Dodgers snuck in there, made a trade. They offered a left-handed reliever who was pitching in Class A, Jeff Belge. They traded him straight up for Fireisen. Little downside though, injuries. Apparently, he's 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 currently dead. Is the downside? (laughs) Currently, not breathing. Yeah. Well, he's alive. But I'm not going to mention the other pitcher that we kind of had this little train ride with just a season ago. But it's very similar. The Dodgers saying, despite him coming off shoulder surgery, he should pitch, be available around August or September. Not buying that. You fool me once, shame on me. Or fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Not going to buy that. I'm going to assume he's out for all of 2023. But that's okay because he is under team control through 2026. So that's three more seasons of him. Very cheap contract. He hasn't even hit arbitration yet. We've seen what this guy can do over the last two seasons. In 2022, 24 innings, a little bit limited, but he didn't give up a single earned run. He had a zero ERA. In 2021, across two teams, he had an ERA in the mid-twos. So whenever the Dodgers are able to get this guy back, because I'm hoping that Belgi or however you say it doesn't turn into the next Jordan Alvarez type of situation. So I don't think he'll be a lost player. I hope this could come back to buy me, but when this guy is available to return, whether it's at the end of 2023 or 2024 and on, this is going to be a high leverage reliever. And I think we'll look back on this, assuming his career can get back on track and he can stay healthy being like, this was a chess move from Andrew Friedman. Yeah. I mean, 
the the thing that's most attractive about this movie is that he's under team control until 2026, I believe. So it's not like a Tommy Canely or a, or a, even a Trinan situation. It's a basically a long term investment for what I think is going to be a low risk player. So, you know, it's I, I'm with Kevin. I don't think we need to talk about this guy for for this season for 2023. I don't think he'll be a factor, um, but long term. Sure. Why not? And you put him on the 60 day. So I believe it doesn't take a 40 man spot. So no harm done. I agree with both of you. That's it. Well, that's it for JP. (laughs) The last time we had a good JP in the bullpen was JP Howell and he did all right. So bring on another JP. We'll see what happens. You know, a couple years ago, JP Howell was playing on the local, uh, I guess like sub pro ball team around here, about 20 minutes from me. Really? Yeah. Forget what they're called, the San Rafael something. But it was like I lo- I was looking at their roster and I was like, that's JP Hell. That's like, JP Hell. Yeah, it was like a bunch of just dudes who like played high school and like low college and then JP Hell. I always feel good when when Friedman plucks a random dude from the Rays. He obviously yeah. knows that he obviously knows that system well, so I trust it. Yeah, Choleric. Try to forget. I'm trying to. Wasn't JP Hell on the Rays too? Yeah. Yeah, but Friedman wasn't on that team. Yeah, I don't think that was Friedman. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, God, what was his name? I think his name was like Joel Peralta. That guy was trash, and he came from the race. We yeah, traded yeah. Uh, Jose De Leon for somebody, too. I don't know. Did we trade him to Cincinnati or the Rays? I think it was the Rays. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. But carry on with the show. I'll, I'll get back to you. All right. That's a good – this is a good point or a good pause, right, anyways, while David looks it up to talk about – Proud sponsor of the Inclined Daughters podcast, TickPick. 11 days till Christmas, people. I'm sure you know somebody that's trying to go to an event. You got to use the app TickPick. Save $10 off instantly on your first purchase of $49 or more, but use the promo code INCLINE, all caps INCLINE, on the TickPick app. No service fees. So if you are trying to take your loved one to the Rams, the Chargers, the Kings, the Ducks, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Sparks, if they're playing, I don't know, wherever you live, your local team, go to TickPick. Awesome ticket service site. Way better than those bastards over at Ticketmaster. So I've used TickPick a few times. I get great deals. No problems. Great customer service. Very responsive. So that's it. TickPick. Okay, so Jose De Leon was traded to the Rays for Logan Forsyth. Uh, so oh, there it kind is. of a kind of a miss there, although he kind of was electric in the World Series. Secondly, just remembered, we got Casey Sadler from them for basically nothing. So Casey he ended Sadler. up he ended up being pretty good. And then if you want to go way back, we traded Edwin Jackson to the Rays for closer Danny's Baez. Remember oh him? my God, Danny's Baez! Yes, yeah. the first Baez. Yep. Free Jose. Some Rays history for you. Yeah, we also pre Pedro. I mean, not Jose. Not also Tom. acquired Julio Lugo from the Rays. That one. Oh work. God, that was so bad. And Adam Libator was also R. in I. that Joel Peralta trade. Remember him, the Liberator. Yes. The Liberator. literally, literally a one-hit wonder. Yeah, he was electric for that one hit, though. Carlos Correa has found a new home, and God damn it, I'm pissed. Not with the fact that he's signing with the Giants, but the fact that it's a 13-year, $350 million contract. What the hell are the Giants doing here? How in the world 
is Carlos Correa worth $350 million? What is he, 29? And this is 13 years. So you're going to be locked into this guy until he's in his 40s. Just to put that in perspective, I was bagging on Justin Turner at the age of 37. Now imagine you're in the Giants position and you got four or five more years of a late 38 or late 30s, early 40s, Carlos Correa. My other issue with this is, are there really any fans out there who are like, I want to go to the ballpark to see Carlos Correa? Do those people actually exist? He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. And I feel like I wasn't that high on him coming to the Dodgers. I mean, I would have been happy with the move, but no way in hell for this type of contract. Maybe this will work out for the Giants the first three to five years. But boy, I think this is going to end up being one of the worst contracts in Major League Baseball. The The problem, the problem with it is that you kind of have to maximize the beginning of this contract as much as you can. And this team, this Giants team just isn't ready for that. So it kind of feels like what the Padres did a few years ago when they signed Manny Machado kind of out of nowhere when they didn't really have a team ready for him. But the but the difference is, is that Machado always stays on the field and, you know, had, I think, more has more potential. Than- also better. And better than Carlos Correa. So to me, it just is a is is an amazing deal that he was able to get. Also, the fact that, you know, Scott Boris, as we've been saying, is cleaning house and essentially said to Correa after he left the Astros, look, sign a sign. a. I think it was a multi-year deal with the twins, but an opt out after one sign that play for the twins opt out and he must have known that the market was going to explode this offseason because he's been getting huge contracts overpays for pretty much all of his clients this is the biggest one so far unbelievable contract now i will say this i was obviously one of the 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 dodgers fans that was banging the drum for carlos correa <laughs> no pun intended uh banging the trash can anyway i i thought he would have been a great fit and I really did want him on the team. I felt like it was a it was a perfect move uh, for the Dodgers to kind of shake things up uh, and kind of get out of this, um, you know, the, every single year, kind of the same identity of this team. But um, yeah, not for that money. And that lineup, man, I don't know. They they posted the the Giants lineup the other day, the projected lineup. Oof, it just it, it looks it's that meme where you where you park a Corvette underneath a a shitty house or whatever the <laughs> hell that is. That's basically what it is. It's a half-drawn horse. <laughs> Where does Brandon Crawford fit into this? He's going to play third. I thought about it last night when we we were, I texted in the group chat, Brandon Crawford's still on their team. And then I thought about it. I'm like, they're definitely going to move that old man to third base for sure. Well, yeah, because they lost Longoria. So it makes sense. Yeah. All right. But my take is that, take on that is, is this. Uh, it's not really a needle mover for the Giants. It's really not. I mean, if you're going to go sign Carlos Correa, you better do more also. You better go bring back Carlos Rodon. You better go get something else because that pitching rotation is ass. It's Logan Webb and then trash. You got Ross Stripling and Sean Manaya in the same rotation. I mean, <laughs> come on. What are, what, what are they thinking is going to happen there? No disrespect to, to Ross Stripling, but I mean, come on. Like, let's not kid ourselves here. You can't have those two guys in a rotation together. You just can't. And Especially finally, Sean Manaya. What did Sean Manaya do last to get year? paid anything. I would pay him to not be on the Dodgers. Also, also to keep him in the NL West, the Dodgers destroyed him. I would be okay if the Dodgers paid him a million dollars to never be a Dodger. I would be okay with that. 
Finally, the, the, the long-standing dilemma for Dodgers fans is over, though. You know, there's a, there's a debate of, are we going to have to root for Carlos Correa? No. The I was thinking of a historical equivalent last night, and the best thing I could do is basically Saddam Hussein just signed with Al-Qaeda. He just joined forces with Osama bin Laden and signed with Al-Qaeda. That is what I have. That is what happened with Carlos Correa for Dodgers fans. The villain of 2017 is now on the most hated team for Dodgers fans. So if you're a Dodgers fan, this works out great. You kill two birds with one stone. You don't have to boo one one player on another team. You just boo them together. It worked out perfectly for Dodgers fans. This is good for the rivalry, though. It really it, it'll it's going to spice things up every. I mean, now you've got any time that the Dodgers play the Padres, Dodgers play the Giants, Giants play the Padres. It's going to be electric. So the NOS is is going to be fun to watch this this coming season. The Except boos for, the for Carlos Correa are going to be historically loud. Like one of the bleachers might fall over. Like I am kind of scared for Dodger Stadium with how loud it's going to be. But the but the thing is the, the thing is about Carlos is that he feeds off that he loves it he's kind of embraced it so yeah uh, it might it, maybe it, now it might punish but us now when he's in his thirties he's gonna suck and then he'll just be booed very loudly and probably cry I don't know I th- this is I gonna think, be so I bad he, I, I I you could put me on the record this is gonna be worse than the Albert Pujols contract I am so convinced that this is not gonna work out and I think I saw some stats. I can't I can't give credit to who it was because I don't remember, but I think this was like Carlos Correa's third worst performing ballpark at Oracle. It was like two random ballparks and then Oracle or he just something with his bat does not work with the dimensions. And it's, it doesn't help because I think you got to be a left handed hitter anyways to thrive in AT or in Oracle because of that short wall or whatever. Yeah. with the bit. So good luck, Correa. You don't have Crawford's box or whatever it's called anymore to. He wasn't even that good with the Twins last year. He had like 20 home runs and 50-something RBIs. He wasn't. So I understand that the Giants essentially got trapped into this contract because Judge was their guy, and they had to pay somebody. And I guess you better, you're better better off paying a position player than Carlos Rodon for seven years because I don't think he's coming back. I just don't. I think Ross Stripling is now their number two by default. Who no, I don't. he can't I, be their number two, man. There's just no way. Who's better? They still got Del Scalfani, yeah? He's not better. Alex he Wood. Is. Alex Wood Barely. and Del Scalfani are better than Ross Stripling. Come on. Ross Stripling has it's like the, a three. It's the same. It's the same. We're in the same vicinity here. Yeah, they're all in the same tier, but Stripling had like a three ERA and a three FIP last year. Alex Cobb still over there? He sucks. Their, their rotation is bad. They do have like four of the same pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. And they're bull- they haven't even done anything with the bullpen. They're- Scott Alexander's over there. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. What is, what is Farhan cooking? Scotty Ice. But my final my final thing with Stripling was, I don't think he's faced the Dodgers, or, let alone pitch in Dodger Stadium since being traded. So he's going to have a lot Definitely of opportunities to reunite. And so you got Stripling, Jock, and Correa now on one team. So there's your little 2017 dynamic. Dave Roberts going to go pull him by accident thinking he's on the Dodgers. <laughs> if they do a Ross Stripling tribute video, I swear to God. No, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. They won't. There's just no way. <laughs> they might. No, no they, way. I think the the Lakers did one for someone recently, and I was like, how did he deserve I think it this? was uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs> yeah. It was him. It's like, what are we doing here, Lakers? Yeah. Any other final thoughts on the Giants? I just don't think they're that good. 
I just don't. I think Correa, you know, is a good pickup if you're a good team, but I don't think they're a good team. I don't think Mitch Haneker is, is that much of a needle mover. And the rest of these guys, they basically just kept from last year and they weren't shit last year. So like I said, I think they need to sign Rodon. I think they need to sign somebody else before they're actually going to make noise. Is Do they still have J.D. Davis too? Yeah, Is he coming back? Yeah, Such a giant. Yeah, yes. yeah. Perfect, perfect giant. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. We got a few questions here. We'll tackle them as quickly as we can. This is a double up from Snavely Cody 6 and Young Jeremy 18. Thank you, guys. Basically, the question would be thoughts on the Dodgers adding Gene Segura. And I feel like we talked about him a little bit last week. But just to recap, Gene Segura would love to add. I thought about it a little bit more and why I would like this addition. I don't know if he'd necessarily be a starter, but he does kind of give me like shades of Orlando Hudson. If the Dodgers were to sign him, he could probably be our second baseman if they don't add a shortstop. So you got Lux at short Gene Segura platoons with uh Muncie at second, I would assume. And Taylor, whenever, however you want to rotate that around, but this is like the anti Joey Gallo, because this is a guy that doesn't strike out. He's an infielder and he puts the ball in play. I don't really want guys on this team anymore that are free swingers and K a lot because I saw how this played out in the postseason. And if you're a guy that can put the ball in play, that's going to set your team up for far better success than going up there swinging for the fences and striking out. Because I, God damn it, I cannot handle another postseason where I watch a guy in a position where the runner's on second or third and that asshole on our team strikes out. Well, it's a perfect, there's a perfect example for this involving Gene Segura that happened this past postseason in the yeah. wild card round in the first game, Phillies Cardinals. Phillies were down. And Gene Segura came up with a big hit and all he did was put the ball in play and it was with the bases loaded and it started that rally and the Phillies ended up winning that game and then sweeping the Cardinals. So there is recent history here with that. And I just love the fact that he can play multiple positions and he makes contact. I think he's a great bench piece and I, I, I would love it. It would be an incredibly gritty infield with Lux at short and Segura at second. That would be 
two tough outs wherever you put him in the lineup. I'm not saying Segura has to start every game. Like Kevin said, I think he's a good mix and match player at this stage in his career. I think he adds much needed depth up the middle uh, and it'd be a great fit. I, I think that's an incredibly gritty, even if you hit him eight, nine, I think that's, that's two guys that can wear down a pitcher before you get back to the top of the lineup. I, I would like that signing a lot. Yeah. I think with the Syndergaard edition, the Dodgers payroll is about 200 million now. So I think they got, they got some room. They got some 28. They got some high twenties to 30 million to spend. Next question comes from Ryan stall underscore. How prominent of a role do you expect Miguel Vargas to have in 2023? I expect him to have a very prominent role. I think that last year he kind of got a taste of what the big leagues was like. And I felt that the Dodgers didn't play him enough. I felt that he, they should have played him more. And the fact that he didn't see the plate in the playoffs and the four playoff games that they had, I thought was kind of a head scratcher, but I expect him. I expect them to give him a runway, uh, a long runway next season. Now it depends on kind of how much playing time he'll get based on his kind of spring training and how he looks. But I want to I want to see what this guy can do. I want to see what the, I want to see what he looks like going through a slump. And I don't want to take him out of the lineup while he's in a slump. I want to see if he can dig himself out. That's kind of what I want to see. What we what we have with him because he he could you know have an amazing season and end up winning Rookie of the Year. But I I want to see that. And I think that's what the Dodgers' plan is. It's certainly what they've indicated thus far this offseason. I mean, I think how prominent a role. I think he's going to be the starting third baseman. Uh, I think, like Jake just said, I think they're going to give him an opportunity here. I don't think if he goes 0 for 40 to start the season, they're going to bench him. I think they're going to they're going to ride with it. Uh, and that's 40. that's the case even if they bring back Justin Turner. I still think Vargas uh, is your opening day third baseman. Yeah, I agree with what you both just said. And first of all, I don't want Justin Turner to come back for the very reason. I think we can't have that other guy potentially taking runway from Miguel Vargas. I want this to be Vargas's job. And if he doesn't work out, we have a nice insurance policy with Max Muncy. Second of all, last season, I felt like Miguel Vargas should have gotten a lot more playing time, like Jake just said. And I did not like the fact that they benched him in the entire postseason. I was worried that with Justin Turner that he would collapse in October and that's what happened. And, you know, maybe if the script had been different and Miguel Vargas was getting more playoff at bats, you just don't know what could have happened. It could have been, it couldn't have been a worse outcome than what we saw with Justin Turner. I'll tell you that. Uh, the next question comes from flip Two J, loyal listener are all the lack of moves that the Dodgers have made going to end up being too big of a gamble to sign too uh, too big of a gamble for Shohei Otani next offseason. Seem like seems like there's a lot of talent out there that we could have had. Well, um, it better it better work. Honestly, it better work if this is actually what the plan is. It's been reported that this is what the plan is, but but Friedman and those guys have not come out and said that. Um, so we can only assume. But if that is the plan, they better be able to get him. They better lock him up and 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 bring in the 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 prize possession next offseason if that if that is the case i don't think that our lack of moves has anything to do with you know whether or not they can get otani um or i don't think it has anything to do with 
I mean, yes, it has something to do with how they'll perform this this upcoming season, but I think they have a really great core and a really great team in place already to make the playoffs at, at the very least. And I know that they're not done. They're going to add a few more pieces like we have just been talking about. Maybe a Dansby Swanson, who knows? But even if they don't add a Dansby Swanson, I think they're in good shape. Yeah, and I'm not upset that they missed out on all these big names because these contracts that these players have insane. Yeah, they're absurd. Like Aaron judge was never going to happen. Carlos Correa was never going to happen. I know that Dodgers fans really wanted the Dodgers to bring back Trey Turner, but for 300 million, never going to happen. And I think this is another guy that he'll be great for the next two, three seasons, but that that type of player is going to decline really fast. I think the Dodgers are very aware and he wasn't good defensively. So we're not going to miss so much there. The pitchers, yeah, obviously having Justin Verlander would have been nice, but hey, we signed Noah Syndergaard for $30 million less, and he might be able to give us a similar production to Verlander in 2023. I mean, it's like a 20, a 30-year-old versus a 40-year-old at this point. And then Jacob deGrom with the deal he signed, Dodgers were never going to pay that. So I think the moral of the story is, yeah, we're kind of going all in for Shohei Otani, but at the same time, all the big names of this offseason were guys that I feel like the Dodgers were never really that interested in to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I really think this this we're going to look back on this free agent class and be like, what the hell happened here? Uh, I think the bust potential of 80% of these contracts is extremely high. And I think the Dodgers did a good job of weathering the storm to just avoid that. Um, that being said, you got it. If you're going to do this, if you're going to just take a year off of spending you better make the best damn offer to Shohei Otani you can uh, because you have a window here. You have a window to win multiple world championships, uh, and it's it's now. So you can put it off a year. You can put the spending off a year. But if you get under the tax this year, you better spend next year. And that includes Julio Arias, who, yes, is a Boris client. I don't care. He, he's been a Dodger since he was 16. You should be able to lo- lock him up regardless of what the price is, 30 million AAV a year, doesn't matter, homegrown guy, you need him, he's proved it, he's earned it. And then you're going to have to offer Shohei Otani $400 million. That's it. If you're if you're if that's not the plan and the plan is to just not really do anything next year, then I don't know what the fuck they're doing. But if the plan next year is to spend, I get it. Dodgers offer 4 years, 240 million for Shohei Otani. Sure, I can see it now. He wouldn't take that. It's going to be 10 years minimum. And because of these stupid contracts like Carlos Correa just got well over, yeah, 400 million is the min. I think I'm hoping we can get it for that. Could end up being more. But what if it's 10 years, 500 million? Oh, it can't be. It can't be. It, it very well actually might be that <laughs> from what I'm hearing. So oh my are God. Have to pay up. it's going to be one mm. of the biggest gambles ever. But yeah, he's very well worth it. Next question comes from. Another loyal listener. Thank you, Castillo Jason. Who will serve as the Dodgers closer next season? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Dodgers closer is still not on the roster. If it if it if this is the roster, Evan Phillips is the closer. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they'll still try to find a closer out there, either on the trade market or I don't know. There's really no free agent closers out there right now. Is there? Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's uh it's unserious right there i answered the uh, question you asked the question I answered. it is an unserious thought 
Uh, so I think Daniel Hudson is going to be the closer. I think he may not be the closer to start the year, uh, pending his health. Is he but on track? Apparently he's, he's well ahead in his ACL rehab. So I think that's the guy they want as their closer. I love that I dude. They, I, think I really they want do. Phillips as the fireman. I think they want Vessia as, as the lefty, the go-to lefty. I think Daniel Hudson is the natural option for the Dodgers closer this year. I love Daniel Hudson. The fact that he that he's come back from all these injuries, the two Tommy Johns, now this ACL thing. Aroldis, I just is Araldus Chapman a free agent? Yes. I think he is. Oh my God. Oh, they could finally get him after all. I've never wanted anyone less. Kick <laughs> <laughs> sign Kenley Jansen because he got paid 16 million a year for the next I can seasons. never I here's my thing about Kenley Jansen. I can never tell what he's actually thinking or feeling. Like I, I just it's just so like he's like he says he's excited to be in Boston, but is he really? I can't tell. Yeah, it's a lot, it's hostage video vibes. I don't I know. Think, it's just it's there's something a, I think it's gonna be a disaster. That 2018 like a, World Series, he was legit bad. And I think and the, somehow the pitch the, clock too. Pitch clock will be a thing. The, the the Red Sox will be weird next year. Are they are they still going to be bad? Yeah, they're going to be. Looks bad. like it. Yeah, they're bad. They added a bullpen help, but like that's and about the Japanese it. slugger. Yeah, alleged slugger. That's by the way. That's who we thought Senga was. Yeah, you know, three episodes ago when we when we didn't think Senga was a pitcher. I'm giving us. I'm giving all of us a break because I think I think we all were kind of talking about the other dude who they signed. That's who. Don't, I, that's don't include me in this. I didn't say anything. Oh, yeah, okay. I was next, like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going out on a limb here. Yeah. Next up, another loyal listener, Dodge sixteen underscore twelve. Should the Dodgers try to trade for Max Fried, and what would the package be? So what he's referring to is Kevin hates Max Fried. Let's just say that right now. I think he's a bit overrated, but. And not a good postseason pitcher for that matter. But give me t- Max Fried. I want it. Won the clincher in the World Series in 21. Yeah, but he also shit the bed really bad in that first game. And he also, every time he faced the Dodgers, he choked in that complete shootout where Chris Taylor had three home runs and Pollock had two. Freed was the starter. He was the game six starter in the 2020 NLCS. Shit the bed then. He had like one good postseason appearance and like five or six shitty ones. You can look well, that up. Well, the best the best thing about playing but, for the Dodgers is that you don't have to face them. So okay, a little league. But to answer Santa the question, Monica. there was a report out there that the Braves could toy with the idea to trade Max Freed, but the the Dodgers are never going to be able to be in a position to acquire Max Freed because the asking price would probably be the most expensive trade return for a pitcher ever in the history of baseball. And they already, I think that report got disputed and canceled pretty quickly. Also, they're not trading their ace. Yeah. Uh, that, that's what was weird to me. Why would you ever trade him? If yeah. You're I think the Buster, Buster only was just on the sauce or something. Yeah. He's still got like two years of control. He's being paid relatively cheap. Dodgers at a minimum would have to give up like Bobby Miller and probably Stoner Pepio, so no thanks. Plus a lot more also. Um, and then quick shout out to Scully fan. I know you asked a question about why the Dodgers weren't making moves, and is it because of Trevor Bauer? Well, the Dodgers made some moves, and I know you asked that question prior to that. So F Trevor Bauer, that asshole needs to be suspended all of next season so we don't have to pay him shit. Jail. And then he's a free agent, and we can just move on from that. Um, running out of time here, so any quick final thoughts? I think that the the, the Dodgers offseason has been fine. It's not been as exciting as we want it to be. 
but I still would like to add a shortstop and I'd like to add Dansby Swanson. And that's, that's what I'm going all in on. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by TickPick. So remember, go to TickPick, download the app, buy some tickets. Final thoughts here are nothing other than glad the Dodgers are making moves and make sure to vote in the second annual Incline Awards. We're probably two or three episodes away from announcing the winners. So make sure to get your votes in there. Quick three to five minute survey. Not a lot of work, folks. And a lot of you voted last season and are not voting this year. So I'm calling you out. Make sure to vote. And again, thank you to all our listeners for all your great questions this week. Always appreciate you guys getting involved. Love answering anything you guys throw our way. So more of the off season to continue. But in the meantime, make sure to subscribe to the Incline Dodgers podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Subscribe, like I said. And that's it for now. Let's see what the Dodgers have planned next because I'm excited. You never know what Christmas surprises are coming our way. So go Dodgers. Kevin Klein signing off for all of us here.